This is mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Brightspot Content Management System enables marketers to launch in just 100 days. It efficiently manages marketing campaigns on mobile apps or updates investors on your corporate site, handling it all seamlessly. With over 100 plus different content types and templates, marketers can deliver a customized, relevant experience to your audience. Additionally, integrate your current marketing automations platform and SEO recommendations directly from your Brightspot content management system, simplifying tool management. Discover more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Marketing Trends. If you can't tell, I'm super excited about the human being we have in the virtual studio today. Let me introduce this incredible marketing leader. Her name is Alice Cherry. She's the chief marketing officer of SP Global. If you don't know, SP Global has a market cap of 116 billion with a B. They wrapped up 2021 with 8 billion. They are not slowing down. They're in the middle of a really cool merger, which I hope we'll get into today. Alice, welcome to Marketing Trends. I am an honor that you're here. Great. Hello, and thank you. Super excited to be here. You know, we 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 don't often get a marketing leader that has you know, stayed at the same brand and really climbed the ranks to be the chief marketing officer. It's happened a few times, but a lot of times you see people kind of dotting around and then ending up at some cool company. Um, but you have, you know, you've been at S&P Global for, is it over 15 years? Is that right? Um, yes and no. I okay. I actually came uh, around 15 years ago. I, I was recruited into a digital incubator group that was a part of the higher education division where they, you know, textbooks were going away. They're like, what, how are we going to sort of come up with a new sort of revenue stream? Because this beautiful technology, which was printed paper, you know, students and their study habits were changing. So I started as a part of McGraw-Hill Companies and um, there are a ton of opportunities. It, it was really a, almost like a holding company. And S&P was one of those businesses. So eventually I moved over to S&P. Okay. Okay. So for our audience, will you describe S&P Global and then what you do there? Sure. So S&P Global, I think everyone has heard of S&P in some shape or form, but we're a financial data and analytics company. Um, we do a, a, a lot of different things. You know, our key market is focused on institutional investors, um, governments, um, but we connect with them um, through their sort of daily workflows. In essence, we provide the key data, insights, research, benchmarks um, for them to make decisions with conviction. And we do that through our intelligence. And you might know us. Uh, as a retail investor every day, like Jeremy, if you look at your 401k, you're probably most familiar with the S&P 500, which is one of our largest brands. And so we're really a part of the fabric of markets and how, and how business works. I love it. 
So, okay, that's really interesting. I'm, I want to I want to rewind a bit to you said you started off in education. Now, is that um, I saw that the Sylvan was early, like early. You spent like four years in Sylvan. Was that where you like became a marketer? Where, where did like the marketing journey? What's the genesis of like the dance with Alice and where did that begin between you and marketing? Sure. So I would say my dance began after college where I um, went sort of headfirst into a startup business that was focused on consumer packaged goods. We made shampoo for kids. And that was when the tween market was launching and uh, limited two was out. I might be dating myself, uh, but it, it was a really, really fun market. So I think I started, you know, to like sharpen my teeth and understand Um, all of marketing from packaging to product to, you know, how it's promoted. And then um, from there, I started to get involved more in education or education technology. So working for startups has been a big part of a focus for me or looking at transformations in startup-like opportunities in big brands and big businesses. Um, Eventually, I was recruited into the into higher education. And that was really a fantastic job, as was Sylvan um, as well. So you feel like that really prepared you for S&P Global because S&P Global, you're, this is not a startup. I mean, you are working at a massive brand. There's over 30,000 employees. There's a lot of reach, a lot of impact. Um, how does that translate to, again, like the early day startup you know, experience you had? Because to me, it's like you're you're learning a lot of there, but then you're coming into like a whole different world that you've now stayed in for almost 20 years. Um, what what translates? Well, I think as a marketer, you have to really be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is what translates consistently. And so each, I think, role or team you join or team you lead, it this what is similar is that you're focusing on solving a problem and you're focusing on growing if it's growing people, but also growing the business. And what was interesting at Sylvan, I I worked within a small part of the Sylvan business that was connecting free tutoring to low income communities. And so this is around the, the story of No Child Left Behind. And so as a marketer, I was I was able to work with a whole different audience I never worked with. And then it actually had a really nice payoff and benefit to say, okay, I'm getting students and families these education resources they would never have before. Mm. And then eventually when I moved to um, higher education, you know, really focusing on digital opportunities, again, it was pairing, you know, who's your audience? What are we trying to do? And then how is the business trying to accelerate growth? And what is marketing's contribution for that? Mm. Um, Same thing with, um, you know, moving to, uh, the, the finance group at S&P, again, big questions, but, you know, it, it's pairing, you know, strategy with with making smart moves. Where was the intersection for you around the transition from marketer to marketing leader? Like, because that's also a big, there's a lot of great marketers that I know that don't want to be a marketing leader. They maybe tried it and went back to, you know, back in the, the trenches of being a marketer and a strategist. What was that moment for you of like, wait a second, I, I love marketing, but now I'm growing into being a leader of marketing. Where was that? I think it was around, I think becoming or maybe starting to seek that sort of path as a marketing leader. I don't think you ever know you're on it until maybe you've left sort of one job. But one inflection point was when I was 
thrown into a very global matrix organization with education where I had multiple stakeholders and I had to all get them to agree on things. And then what I found is when you built relationships and partnerships with people, they they trust when they feel like they're heard. So I was able to make some really big changes there that impacted their strategy. And I realized, oh my gosh, I can actually do that. And that's because maybe of the leadership role I was given, but also bringing people along. And so I think that is one of the sort of lessons I've learned that has stayed with me is is how to bring people along. And I think that is a representation of of strong leadership. Mm. What's made you stay at S&P Global? I mean, you've climbed the ranks there. You obviously could have leapfrogged into other brands and industries, especially the perspective you have with the data and the insights you have on all of these interesting industries. What's made you stay there? Let me give you a little background too. So I I, I think for me, S&P is this really amazing brand because we sit in this very objective space in the market. You know, we might, you know, we're a trusted brand. Um, We have to stay relevant and we're not an investment bank. We're not an asset manager, you know, so we're, we're in this sort of, um, I, you know, deeply respected um, sort of um, in between. So I was sort of honored to be able to work for a brand like that. So one is, is that sort of brand respect, but the other two is, you know, the other two components are like leadership and opportunity. You know, I, I firmly believe and deeply believe in our CEO as well as our leaders, and I believe in the mission. So I think that is, that's one component. Another is opportunity. I mean, it's not many times in a marketer's career that you have an opportunity to reposition and launch a brand that has such a deep heritage that's over 160 years old, you know, like S&P. So that that opportunity is really um, motivating. Do you feel like you've had, like you've really had to kind of fight your way in an industry where, you know, there's, it's a a lot of male dominated. I mean, it's just that, you know, that world is very male dominated. And here you are at the top of marketing, you know, leading marketing and, and, and communications and having a lot of support there. But did you, did, when, you, when you kind of reflect back, do you think of like you fought to get to where you are or do you feel like you found these pockets of momentum and just, you know, because you also have resilience. I've seen you stayed in roles for five, six years and then moved on. Right. And so, um, yeah, what's that been? What's that perspective like? I think a part of success is, you know, I think. Whatever I faced, other women have faced, you know, that it's not necessarily you totally unique to me or my industry, but I've always had mentors and sponsors. And so I now am reflecting and making sure that I'm giving back. I'm I'm helping others as well as, you know, focusing on my team, on their development, because I wouldn't be where I am today without the help of others. Mm. Um, as well as others just believing in me. That's great. Okay, so let's talk about this interesting merger that's happened, right? Recently, S&P Global merged with IHS Market. And at the time, uh, your, your CEO, Douglas Peterson said, quote, we looked at how we could leapfrog and accelerate and actually be transformative with the data and analytics we provide to our customers in all the spaces that we see as the fastest growth areas, end quote. Ultimately, you know, in a merger like this, you know, there are a lot of questions that have to be addressed 
or handled in some way? And from your perspective, from a marketing leader's perspective, how did you handle this merger? What's that meant for you? This was fun. And I really mean it was fun, even though it was long, because we had some delays um, based on regulatory approval, which we also use to our benefit from a marketing standpoint. But with a merger of this size, it was a $44 billion deal. It was um, really critical for our business to get right. Uh, what's exciting is marketing is definitely one of the leaders, you know, at the table um, to help define that sort of that path. And I think if there is a time for marketing to shine, it, it, it's it's right now because you're so interconnected to so many different parts of the business. Uh, so defining uh, and redefining and enhancing what our brand strategy is, our marketing strategy, ensuring that we're connecting with not just our people, but with customers and stakeholders and shareholders and how we're creating a framework for clarity and consistency of messaging. And that becomes the foundation for a lot of different work to come. That's such a big, such a big deal and such a big merger. Um, what was your early homework? And when you found out this merger was happening, you, you know, as the marketing leader, what's the, some of the first things you're doing when you're evaluating this and assessing this opportunity? It's going to change a lot of the business. It's going to bring a lot of opportunity. What's some of the first things that you're doing in the, you know, the first like 30, 60, 90 of, of evaluating this from a marketing leader perspective? Sure. And are you thinking when before it's launched or at the time that it's launched? Well, like when it, when it came, when it kind of got to your desk and you see like, yeah. this is going to, like, this is going to happen. Like what moves are you making at that point? Like getting ready for this? Great. You know, I, so we announced it in November and I immediately had, you know, our team working together to come up with an overarching sort of plan and a prioritization of it. So because it, it's too sizable, you have to figure out where do you want to start. But a lot of it was basic. You know, let's start with Google. Let's start with the website. Let's start understanding what it, what are this, you know, what is the company's strength? How does that compare to S&P Global? What's the, the positioning? Um, you know, you start thinking around, okay, which brands need to stay around and have equity in them? What's my brand transition strategy? Let's talk about customers. You know, what does that customer base look like? What are the main products and services linking into them? So I think it's engaging with deep curiosity, asking a ton of questions and learning as much as you can. And at the same time, creating a little bit of a framework of what are the questions that you know you need to answer to put in action. Were there any surprises, like things that really surprised you and your team and starting to move down that road in the merger? You know, I think the surprises, there was a lot of excitement, you know, IHS market and S&P coming together really creates this, you know, powerhouse of sort of data and analytics. And it really completes, um, you know, and creates new opportunities for S&P Global if it's a full picture on energy transition um, or energy in the commodities market. So I think it's a very um you know, I think the surprise is, okay, how, how do I keep this simple, um, but communicate the right things? There also were a ton of um, just strong thought leaders. Um, there's Sarah Week is a really great brand um, that, that uh, IHS Market um, had, 
and still has, you know, now we have is S&P Global with that really convenes like the Davos of energy uh, in March. So lots of surprises and discoveries of talent and IP. Oh, that's great. So in 2022 now, wrapping up the year, I've had a few conversations with chief marketing officers where it seems like there's been this this kind of tightening of marketing and comms, right? Where I see a lot of brands, you know, lumping them together where you have a CMO that's also in charge of comms. And, and there's this, this, this really, it looks like tighter collaboration than maybe in years past. And I would just kind of love your perspective on, you know, how, what are some of the like important things that marketers and comms officers can prepare for large scale changes like this, like this merger, but also just broadly speaking, like what's kind of your purview of marketing and comms now, you know, as the world's changing so much and and that messaging has to be together and the strategy has to be tightened. Would love just your thoughts on that. You know, at, at S&P, marketing and comms have always worked extremely close, you know, closely together. It, it There's just no question because comms is embedded as a part of the fabric of the business. You know, um, our, our macroeconomic sort of points of view or economists um, are demanded, you know, on TV versus some of the, the research that we publish. And that means marketing and comms have this shared responsibility for building brand and protecting reputation. And so I think looking at those common pillars um, for marketing and comms and then combining and enhancing each other's plans around those common pillars are critically important. And that's what we do here. Mm. How has SNP Global changed? since the merger? Like, how have you been able to use data to better serve customers? Uh, In what ways maybe has your role changed or evolved since the merger? Yeah, I think that my role changing is a little bit contextual um, because I think to start, there is, it's contextual in the standpoint of we're going through a merger and one of the most important parts of a merger are people and our teams. And so a big part of my job also is partnering closely with our culture teams, as well as communication to ensure we have a strong internal program and plan for communications. You know, we launched, when we launched S&P Global, you know, six and a half years ago, we spent a lot of time thinking around our purpose um, and that's, you know, accelerating progress in the world or accelerating progress and connecting purpose to our people. And especially now that we have 35,000 people in 42 countries and also connecting it to everyone else's personal purpose is really critical. So so that's some of the new programming that's different that we're putting together, also focusing on um, our strategy that we're gonna be rolling out next year. Um, The other ways that I think um, marketing has changed is you know, we have these two businesses that come together and there's a ton to learn, you know, where we want to leverage the best of how AI is used to natural language processing and, you know, to enhance sort of our customer experience and to drive revenue in, in different ways. And so we can combine the sort of best and breed practices. What about just like the kind of the assessment of the culture, right, of, of IHS, right? I mean, you've got the culture of SNP, you've got the culture of this other massive company. They're coming together. 
And you as the marketing leader, you know, I, I see so many, you know, amazing, brilliant marketers like you that are really kind of at the top of culture as well, of like really infusing the culture, changing and shifting the culture. But you have these two big, you know, big elements coming together. What did that do for the culture at SNP? And how are you kind of assessing that? Because to me, that's also a, an important metric that, you know, but you're bringing in a lot of stuff together. And what was that like? You know, there's a ton of real discussions the executive management team had about culture because, you know, culture is one of the key parts that can either make make a company great or or not slow it down. And so especially for a merger, you don't want to set expectations that couldn't be attained. So we had discussions and provided a lot of options for you know, the leadership teams to say, okay, how is our culture changing? Because this isn't adopting S&P culture or adopting IHS market culture. It's what is our, our new culture that, and those sort of important beliefs and behaviors around that. And then also tying into why we're here, why our purposes, and then we'll tie in strategy next. So um, it it is critically important. I think coming out of covid there's been a much more of a sensitivity and focus on people and and what people need. And that I think that also feeds into culture as well. When you rebranded, and we can get into that a little bit a little bit later, but the company also underwent like a pretty big digital, a full digital transformation. Um, you you indicated in a CMO today that unification of digital teams and tools across the company was a priority. My question is like, what was the impetus for this massive project? So six and a half years ago, we launched a, a brand new brand strategy and introduced S&P Global. So we had a lot of disparate systems without the ability to leverage content or, you know, um, connect customers to what they're looking for easily. And so that that was, you know, it, it it was the ability to tell our story and connect with prospects and customers uh, in a smarter way and building, you know, building that foundation. Now we're here six years later and I'm looking at having two different sets of marketing stacks and CMS systems and, you know, you know, a CDP here, but not one here. And so um, I have the opportunity and the marketing team has an opportunity to look at it and do it again and do it even better, which is fantastic because you don't always get two bites of the apple. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, with this new technology comes new data and then new ways to, to garner information about your customers. Talk to me about your current like customer relationship management process. Is it where you want it to be? I if you could help me, Jeremy, I want to talk to a marketer who says their customer relationship management process is where they want it to be. I feel like we're never satisfied. Uh, so I want to find that person. If you find them, um, they can make a lot of money because everyone will want to hire them. Um, but again, I think there is a laser focus, you know, in this organization of how we serve customers, how, you know, and and provide and connect sort of premium experiences to, you know, the product and the insights and how we can accelerate and partner with them to help their progress. So uh, from, you know, I think there's a ton of testing and learning that we're doing. Um, and we are sort of in the, in the process of rebuilding and connecting our CRM systems because, um, right now, 
just on the recency of the merger. We we have probably customer data and not in all the right places that we want to have it. Um, but one thing we did with the mergers, we built sort of this data layer. So there could be a sort of a customer 360 layer that connects everything. Mm, okay. Um, there was a, a recent report that we, we dove into. There was the eighth annual Salesforce data marketing report. And every year we dive into this. And I actually interviewed Shannon Duffy, who's there, one of their EVPs, brilliant, brilliant marketing leader. But the report talked about, quote, in the face of demand for data-driven, personalized, and scalable customer experiences, more than half of marketers say they've invested in the power of AI. Um, has SNP implemented AI into their CRM? We absolutely have. I think it's I figured that it's pretty necessary. We have an embarrassment of riches with content, which a lot of businesses don't. So we are extremely fortunate to have, you know, thousands of unique sort of research and insights that are published. I mean, that's a part of what we what we sell and engage with in the market. But as a marketer, we're able to repackage that selectively, but also use AI to engage customers or prospects where they are, if it is, you know, on site, if it's you know, in sort of programs or email campaigns in sort of an automated sort of fashion. And that's some of the test and learn that we're doing. The other elements that we're using is, um, you know, using um, NLP for uh, automated bots. Um, And the, you know, it's not just using the technology, it's when is there human intervention needed too? So, when, when do we need to make sure that a customer or prospect is connected with a person? And it's that, com- I think that combination that we're really trying to um, finesse. What are you noticing just about behavior change in your customers? And like, I mean, the, the world is changing so, so rapidly and how consumers are interacting with brands is really interesting. It seems like every touch point matters even more now. Every time someone interacts with a brand for the first time or the hundredth time, it really matters a lot. The stakes seem really high. Uh, and I'm just curious about yeah, your perspective there and what you've noticed in terms of behavior change in the world we're in now. You know, we see a ton more of consumption of content online. And so that is something that we're focused on is ensuring that we have the right SEO or SEM strategies that is, that is creating, connecting, let's say, Jeremy, you were really you know, interested in electric vehicles, that we'd be connecting all related content to you as a part of your journey. We don't always, and we don't believe a customer journey is linear, nor do we own it, but it is our responsibility to enhance it and connect with you where you are. Mm, This is great. Okay. So Alice, one big campaign that you pushed out uh, is this Seek and Prosper campaign. Tell us a little bit about that campaign. Super. So Seek and Prosper, you know, before it was a campaign and, you know, we brought together our top marketing leaders across the organization to say, we have this opportunity to tell our story, the new S&P global story, you know, once we merge and once we're a combined company in a different way. And we want to make sure that it's emotive and compelling and it's an integrated campaign across top of the house, you know, brand, but also in your, in the product marketing day to day. So uh, we spent a lot of time with this core group. We RFP'd it, you know, we found a terrific partner for it. 
And um, what I'm really excited about is something that was like co-created across the new and extended, you know, S&P global team. And that really creates a lot of pride and ownership across the business. But, you know, at the end of the day, S&P global, you know, we moved, as you said, um, you know, from an eight to almost $12 billion company. We were four divisions, we're six divisions now. We had a deeper you know, as well as wider portfolio to tell a story on. So Seek and Prosper, you know, the the concept of it was rooted in our purpose to accelerate progress. And we knew we wanted to extend familiarity and deepen sort of understanding around um, what we do, but connect with uh, customers in, in a unique way, right? I think all B2B, you know, work isn't just like feature and, feature and function. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's based on the strategic idea that S&P Global provides essential intelligence that's vital to decision-making, but we know our customers are constantly seeking. They're seeking to learn more. And so they can take those sort of key insights and prosper and make decisions from them. Uh, So we launched phase one of the campaign uh, just a few months ago, and then it's continuing and it's been integrated across our product marketing efforts as well. What were your kind of some of the major goals of the campaign and how how were you and the team defining success for that campaign? Sure. So a few different goals. One is we we hadn't done a campaign for a while of this of this size and caliber. And so uh, one was increasing sort of awareness and familiarity of SMP. And, um, you know, we found that we had, you know, shockingly, I had to like look at the stats twice, but like double digit growth um, in um, our key, you know, brand metrics. Uh, So next, as you go down sort of that funnel, other key metrics include sort of uh, key, you know, key engagement on the site, you know, interaction with, you know, content, and then building up that sort of top of the funnel engagement statistics as it goes all the way through to some of the MQLs or, you know, um, you know, engagement with different lead forms in the business, deeper in the business. Mm, Perfect. Okay. I want to ask you about one more thing, and then we can get into some fun kind of lightning round questions if we have time, but something that, you know, without, without knowing you well at all, I would just, my assessment is that one thing you've been able to do in your career really well is building trust with other people and building trust, especially with other stakeholders, especially in this modern day as a modern day CMO, you really have to be able to reach across the aisle and build trust with the CFO and the CTO and the CIO and the, and the CEO. And it's, you know, your role is such a unique stakeholder. Um, how have you been able to do that? Well, is that, do you, do you key in on that? Do you think about how you've cultivated that in your career? Because it seems like, again, to be able to get where you are, you have to be good at like listening and building trust. Um, is that does that land for you? Is that something you feel like you've been able to do really well over the years? And maybe if so, tell us how you do it and how you do it so well. Um, I'll take that as a as a compliment. Thank you. I think connecting to people is really critically important and understanding. I think at some point in my career, I was focused on projects and I got projects done. And I realized this isn't actually getting me the return that I need. And so it wasn't just about performance. And so I took a few steps back and said, okay, 
how do you want to influence outcomes? And it's all relationships. So and every job that I've been in, I've built those relationships. You have to meet with people, understand what's important to them. Make sure people have a voice in the work. Make sure people have clarity on whose decision is this. And if you disagree, then talk about it. You know, so I think it's shared interests, communication, and this isn't a plan for that's an individual plan for anyone. So I think bringing people along. The other thing is, I think it's a team attitude. I learn from my team every day. They're amazing. And, you know, and from others. And so I think it's helping teams and and sort of sharing that and making sure it's a part of the construct of of your teams and, and the businesses. That's great. Okay. One more thing I want to slide in here. Um, yeah, it would be remiss if I didn't bring up this, you know, the world is is certainly changing with the economic and financial pressures, right? That are that mm-hmm. are coming down the pipeline, geopolitical pressures, economic headwinds. We're talking to a lot of big brands, Fortune 100 and up, that are, you know, having to do more with less, right? And really thinking about how do they, you know, scenario plan, right? I think one thing the pandemic taught us is how to manage through uncertainty, and scenario planning was a big part of that. Um, would love to just hear, you know, what's the message there at S&P Global? What's the message to your customers around yeah, the way the, the way we see things are, are headed? Um, how are you yeah, setting the stage there for your customers? And then what would you say to other you know, marketing leaders as well? I think there's two different components. One is you have to figure out what your customers and, and business, you know, need to be um, successful to weather any of the storms and really focus on creating value in that area. You know, this isn't marketing for marketing's sake. It It's contributing in, in building um, value for customers and for the business, you know, back, you know, you're also um, creating stronger loyalty, you're creating new business, whatever it is. Uh, so I think that's one element. I also think that you have to be really good listeners as marketers and, and hear and respond to those sort of cultural cues, as well as any of the the big trends that are happening um, and make sure that you're showing up and you're sort of talking about it and showing up in your work too. Okay. I love that. Okay. Let's do a couple of fun lightning round questions and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Are you ready ready for some some fun questions? I'll try. Okay. Before we get into it, just a shout out to our sponsor for this show, Salesforce. If you don't know, this podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. If you're interested in learning more, head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We've got Alice Cherry in the house, Chief Marketing Officer of SMP Global. First question, lightning round, and just try to answer these you know, as, as quick as you can. Don't think too much. Um, what fact about you might surprise coworkers who have never met you in real life? I have a, I have a deep love of um, eating in restaurants. And so if you meet me in real life, I'll be talking about where we're going to eat. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we we share that sentiment, Alice. So, um, what's your best remote work tip? I think natural light. If you can get natural light and framing, um, or just really good light um, that's not overhead and white. That's great. I know you've had a lot of influence and impact in your career, but if you could just pick a coworker that you learned the most from over the course of your career, who would that be? And what did you learn? Her name is Lynette. It was when I was at Sylvan. She was a classic marketer from Coca-Cola and just bolstered my strategic thinking and was a fantastic human being. Beautiful. 
If you could not work in this industry, what profession would you pursue? I'd probably be a SOM because who doesn't want to talk about history and wine? I like that. That's that's the first. I haven't heard that one. What is like the the hottest thing on your Spotify playlist right now? What are you listening to? I love all the Elton John remixes with oh. Britney Spears and, you know, DLE. Okay. I like it. Okay. What is, I'm sure you have a lot of these, but just tell, tell us what is one of your least favorite business buzzwords? Synergy. <laughs> that one comes up a couple of times. That's it's funny. It's really bad. Synergy. Bad. Um, that one and circle back. Circle back is one that I hear a few, a few times. Okay. Um, let's circle back. Okay. Um, if you could upgrade your work from home setup, what would it be? I would have a pair of really plush slippers at the foot of my desk, uh, something fluffy and soft and a great espresso machine. Well said. I'll take that. Um, what is the first thing you thought about this morning? What's the weather? Okay. Um, if you could use marketing to send a message to the entire world. So we got billboard, billboards all over the world signed by Alice Cherry. What message would you send? It's a hard one. Um, probably something like we are all neighbors, brothers and sisters. Be kind. Love it. Okay. Last question. What is one piece of business advice, like a really good piece of business advice that you've received? I still use this 20 years later. One of my bosses said, when you're meeting with people, it's at work and they say something, you have to listen to what they say and then watch their feet because that is an indicator. Are they doing what they're saying or not? And then that tells you so much. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much like there's so much to take in and act on that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, this has been an exceptional conversation, Alice. I knew you would not disappoint us in our audience. This is incredible. Um, just a big shout out to you and your career. We know you're not done, that's for sure. And just a, a big thanks to SP Global with this really exciting merger. I know our team's paying attention to where this brand's headed, uh, but thanks so much for being on Marketing Trends. This was truly an honor. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers, 
to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.